I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Veterans are who we are, what we talk about, who we fight for. This podcast sheds light on real issues facing our veterans. It informs the uninformed, it celebrates their triumphs, and provides hope to those fighting a silent battle. This is Upholding Valor. Welcome. I'm Jill Atwood, Director of Communications for the VA Rocky Mountain Region and your host for Upholding Valor. The scars of childhood take many forms. But it's often the ones we can't see that hurt us the most. These shadows haunt us, affecting the choices we make and who we become. You are about to meet John Tritz, whose difficult childhood drove him to drugs and crime. But John's story is one of hope, of what happens when we confront the past and take responsibility for the choices we make. My name is John Tommy Tritz. I am uh, 39 years old. I'm from Lubbock, Texas. I was in the United States Army, active from 1999 until 2003. My MOS was 11 Bravo. I was stationed initially at Fort Benning, Georgia, where I completed uh, uh, boot camp and uh, AIT until 2006. My father is a retired Air Force technical sergeant. He spent a couple tours in Vietnam in the 70s and late 60s. So I always grew up in a military family. Kind of had that uh, military brat persona about myself. Grew up on a base. I would say that there were a few things that were happening at home. My dad, he was a he was an alcoholic when I was growing up and uh, remained drinking until his passing. My mom wasn't neglectful. She was a really good mother. She wasn't there for a lot of my younger years because she had a she was also going to school to be a nurse. She did her best with as many kids as she had. There were certain times where I would go and and have a friend of the family babysit us one time, and uh, that she was she was abusive. She would. Uh, put her hands on me, like slapped me, and, and my brother and my sister. My sister got stitches one time, um, hitting the corner of a coffee table in that same summer. Um, and and I, didn't li- I didn't like being there, you know. It, was, it just seemed like that was a dark time in my life. I started to have panic attacks from the things that I wasn't open to talk about. I don't want to go into specifics, but you know there were some times when I was younger that there was some uh, some abuse amongst us children. 
not with my parents, but with siblings, that um, wasn't appropriate and something that I definitely uh, suppressed for years. And that wasn't a good feeling, but the fact that it, it, it never left. His childhood fractured, John's early adult years teemed with anger and confusion. With no safety or stability at home, he sought sanctuary elsewhere. I started to feel depressed, I remember at an early age. I had a lot of times where I spent alone. I acted out. I had my first uh, drink of alcohol when I was 12. Now, I was about 15, started drinking again, and uh, this time it included liquor, and that escalated into my uh, sophomore year in high school, the parties. Not only was I drinking, but I was using cocaine. I had tried acid that year. I was arrested twice my senior year for uh, possession of a narcotics and uh, breaking and entering. Drugs was an escape for me from, from having those memories or having to focus on it for one. I was able to avoid things with my drinking. I didn't have to take responsibility for my actions or the actions of other people. And drugs provided another way out except drugs were stronger. They were more potent, and if I, I knew if I used them long enough that I would start to forget some things. Hopefully those traumatic events that I had as a four or five-year-old. I had always had issues with substance use um, as far as like alcohol and um, some other drugs, but it wasn't at the point where I needed treatment. When I left the, the service, the Army, my active duty in the Army, um, I had a really hard time adjusting to civilian life, especially like where, where my place was and the difference of the lives between being, you know, a civilian versus active duty infantry. Um, it was night and day. While John held things together in the military, the civilian world's lack of structure left him aimless. Falling further under the rule of drugs, his life crumbled. Over the next several years, had continued to get worse to the point where I w it cost me a marriage. It cost me uh, pretty much all my possessions and uh, cost me a chance to finish my education. The biggest thing that it cost me was a chance to be a father. It wasn't until about 2012, 2013 that my... Uh, my alcohol use and my and I started using methamphetamines at this time that attributed to it really led to my dad losing the house and and me losing it w uh, for him um, he had trusted me with the rent and I used the rent money to uh, buy drugs he was already two months behind he gave me the money to catch up and I thought I could turn that money into more money and wasn't really, I wasn't aware that it's not as easy as it, as it looks. I just remember seeing the look on his face of confusion. Um, my dad was about 70 at the time. I loved my father, but what I did is something that has taken me a long time to, to forgive myself. I felt a lot of shame because that was the house that I grew up in that my brothers and sisters grew up in, my mom raised us in, and uh, 
Although everybody had moved away except for my father and I, um, it was still a roof over our head. I had started to experience what living on the street and being homeless meant. I was hotel hopping, uh, going from one place to the other and dragging my, uh, my um, wife at the time and my daughter, Chloe, everywhere with me. And up to that point, I had never been homeless in my life. And I was homeless in Houston for about th three months. And that wasn't a good place to be homeless. A lot of crime I witnessed, a lot of, um, I was mugged a few times, had my stuff stolen from me. I probably came very close to, to losing my life. I went to live with a brother of mine, um, one of my older brothers in Tyler, Texas. That's when I really hit rock bottom. John's addictions began to consume his life. Family and work fell by the wayside. And while in his altered state, John turned towards crime. But the crushing blow would come from the death of his father. He passed away and, and I did not get to say, I did not get to see him after he passed in Lubbock, Texas. Um, I think that was one of the hardest things that I had to deal with that, that for a while. I was really in a place where I was lost. I was using methamphetamines regularly, um, drinking, hanging around drug dealers, selling drugs. And when he died, I felt like it was my fault, my actions that uh, prevented me, prevented him from seeing his son. In Tyler, I was, I was working, but I was drinking every day, every, from morning until nighttime, any chance I could. I was failing in my second marriage. I, uh, I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't stay sober more than a day. I felt like a complete failure to my family. Almost like a, I felt like a cancer to the people I was around. I just didn't want, I didn't want to feel like that ever again. For me, the only way I could justify myself at the time was to just, just remove myself from the situation. I went and bought two gallons of vodka, and my intentions were to go to somewhere in the woods and, and to drink myself to death. It was August, so it was like 100 and something degrees. And I knew that if I just stayed out there and just drank, drank, and drank, that maybe I wouldn't wake up. No matter what I did, I blacked out. I'd wake up, drink, black out, wake up, drink. And so I got up, and I stumbled about a half a mile away and ran into someone at a hotel, and he, he suggested that I go to the Salvation Army Center of Hope and uh, that they had a rehab facility there. Alone in the world of darkness, John sought help. He entered a 35-day VA inpatient treatment center, but failed twice. Homeless again, John turned to drugs and crime. I take responsibility for everything I did, for me to go into someone's apartment and cause that kind of insecurity for them later on was hard. As far as like all my crimes have included some kind of alcohol or drugs or both. So I'm not proud of that moment. And no, no matter what kind of justification or 
rationalizing that I could, you know, say to to make me look better in a certain light, it really doesn't do justice because um, when you look at the facts, I was there, I committed the crime, and um, ultimately convicted of it. I regretted not being there in my children's lives because of my drug use and because that drug use led to me being incarcerated and away from them. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to not be a part of my kids' lives. I don't want to be unhealthy, die at an early age because of the choices I make or would make if I wanted to use again. Having seen the light, John resolved to get well. So he tried again, but this time, signs of hope emerged. Soon, he started to believe in his recovery. More importantly, he started to believe in himself. Recovery is hard. Um, it takes work, it takes um, commitment, it takes the right people around you, and it takes the right tools. The hardest part for me was believing in myself at first. I didn't think I stood a chance at uh, any kind of sobriety, more than a year for that matter, because I felt so lost. I felt lost for years. This alcohol, this, this drink or this, this drug, you know, I felt like it had control over me more than anything. And so getting that, becoming someone separate from that was like redef redefining myself and uh, repurposing my life for something that's more than myself. I started to become familiar with uh, how treatment was, what I needed, start to open up some of the doors that I had closed for so long to be someone that I hadn't been for a long time uh, with using alcohol for decades. I learned through the process that being myself and being transparent even with my five and ten year old about whether I'm going to be there or not or why treatment comes first. They're young and they understand what dad's going through in recovery and I know that if I can stay sober that they have so much more of a chance of sobriety and, and, a, and a positive and happy life early on because their dad was a fighter. So I was on Zoom uh, about a month ago. All my siblings were on Zoom. And then when they saw me, they were like, oh my God, you've changed so much. You don't even sound the same. And I didn't think I made that much of an impression before that to my brothers. I thought they still kind of saw me as the black sheep of the family, someone that wasn't getting their life together but that really made me feel good about myself. No longer looking back, but to the future, John's been sober for nearly two years. He's finished with Transitional Housing and Veterans Court, a stringent program that favors supervised treatment over incarceration. Having vanquished the demons from his past, John came to terms with the man he was, and more importantly, the man he wanted to be. And now, the life he was meant to live is just beginning. So I've got quite almost 20, 21 months in veterans court. I've gotten 
so much because the people in Veterans Court, they really care about you. Upon completion of Veterans Court, uh, I also complete uh, adult probation and parole. The two felonies that I have on my record um, will be um, a reduced uh, conviction, I believe, to a misdemeanor. My fees will be paid. I'll have my life again. I'm working on a project, it's my labor of love assignment. It's where we get back to the community from, from what we've taking, taken from the community. I've taken people's sense of security away. I've caused the community uh, more harm than good during my, uh, my use. So I can't really get back you know, some of the items I took that were replaced or um, take back some of the actions I did. But what I can do is make the, uh, allow myself to be a part of the community and making it uh, a little bit more safer, especially during COVID-19. I'm choosing to make COVID-19 masks at home in my apartment using my, my little blue sewing machine. It's simple. And, but I had to learn how to sew, how to thread the machine. I went and bought the, the material for it, the patterns, and watched a ton of tutorials on how to sew a proper mask. So after about a 12 year gap from when I left Texas Tech till now, um, I'll be going back to school to finish, um, finish what I started. I'll be going to Salt Lake Community College this fall full-time under the uh, VRE program through the VA, uh, the Vocational Rehabilitation and Employment Program. I'm going to school for sociology. I want to help others like myself, others, other people that maybe I'm that person that they, that, that they run into later in life, that maybe I could have a chance to change their life to help them cope with what's going on in their life, to, to tell them that they're, they're a good person. I wouldn't trade my experiences for anything though. I think from what I went through and, and from some of the things that I could help other people with, with, with my own experience, you can't put a price tag on that. And I know that if I can continue to, to be a part of my recovery and help out others in recovery, by giving back that I have a chance at long-term sobriety and for me that's more important than all the mistakes I've made in my past. Thanks for joining us today for Upholding Valor. Stay safe, take care of each other, and be kind. This is Jill Atwood. I am a VA employee, Army veteran, and veteran of Desert Storm. This is so personal to me. There is no greater mission than to serve and fight for those who fought for us. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe or rate us or better yet, tell a vet. And tell a friend to tune in by texting veterans to 57500 or go to ksl360.com slash veterans. VA is honored to serve you. Talk to you next time.